If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com, we've done your homework. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Alcantara, Soroka, you look so good in Boca. Peralta, Manoa, Mousepack, Ferrer, Nola, Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Mosusuka. Happy Kokomo Friday and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today on August 12th. Frank Sample joined by Scott White. Today on the show, we're going to help you get ready for week 20. We've got two star pitchers, sleeper hitters, but a few other things. Did you know? Plus some grade the season hitter edition. I have some random hitters we haven't talked about and Scotty is going to grade their season so far. Speaking of which, Scott, it was a fun night. Field of Dreams, once again, very cool. The Harry Carey hologram was kind of weird, if we're being honest. But above all else, <laughs> the... Uh, no, oh, then it said right with me now. <laughs> no stack-ass data for the game. What, what, uh, what's, what's going on, man? Like, yeah. I, I learned just how dependent I am on StatCast when I go to click on the game and there's nothing available. And I'm like, the world is crumbling. What's happening? Mm. Field of Dreams. If you build it, they won't track it. Ah, apparently, nah. apparently so. I mean, that, that kind of, you know, that it, it's supposed to be this kind of like salt of the earth baseball vibe, right? That that stadium, they got the faux wood grain dugouts and everything. Of course, then when you got a holographic image of a <laughs> dead guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, uh, frankly i don't know how to react to it but um yeah, yeah there's a lot well, of different things going on a little the, dystopian right yeah the the field yeah. definitely looks awesome and I, I mean i enjoy the game they won't be playing there next year i think there's a london series that's going to happen next year but uh alas there's no stack data which i guess makes sense for the field of dreams anyway let's get into uh thursday's action oh my good goodness gracious oh my goodness gracious was exactly what i said when Scott told me who he wanted to talk about, because this is the only player that Scott ever wants to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Vinny P, baby. He did it again. He donged again, this time off Dylan Cease, as in the guy with a 198 ERA or whatever it is. 196, I, I undersold him. Yeah, uh, Vinny Pasquantino homered again, and, uh, It was a a good at bat for him. Of course, they're all good because he never strikes out and he walks a lot. So in his past seven games now, Vinny Pasquantino is is, uh, is 10 for 25, a 400 batting average, 
three home runs in those 10 games, three walks to only two strikeouts in 10 games. And it seems like it's happening, right? This, this is starting to look like the coming out party for a guy who I've maintained. And I, I think you have too, right? That, uh, Keep the faith on Vinny Pasquantino. The data looks good. Obviously, the minor league track record, very good. And uh, big things are happening. And my only regret is that I did not include him as a sleeper hitter for the coming out party because the matchups weren't great. He was facing guys like Dylan Cease, right? The matchups could be better for, for the Royals next week, too. Fortunately, Pasquantino is so under-rostered 60% still that I can I, I will have him as a sleeper hitter for this um, upcoming week, even though the matchups are... Uh, well, they're, they're kind of middle of the road. Usually, I w- usually, my sleeper hitters, I want them to have good matchups, but I, I will make an exception for Vinny Pasquantino because, truthfully, among players who are are as available as he is he's the one who i want to start the most you know yeah fair enough gotta he be, is gotta be gotta be honest with myself <laughs> gotta be picking these sleeper hitters uh he's got seven road games next week and there are 20 different teams with seven games in week 20 so uh that will be obviously a very popular consensus for next week's action i noticed on the road this season it's a very small sample size it's only 18 games Pasquantino hasn't been nearly as good, 217 batting average, 632 OPS, but small sample. I'm not really going to hold it against him. And I think you're right, Scott. We were off by a couple of weeks. I think it was, I don't know, a month ago, we we had some kind of great matchups for the Royals, and we thought that was the Vinny Pasquantino coming out party, but it appears this is the week. He does have three home runs over his last four games. And let's just kind of recalibrate his ranking. So you have him 19th at first base. I have him 20th. And I think one of the big ones would, I could see people deciding on shallower leagues, would be Pasquantino versus Trey Mancini coming over to the Astros. But I noticed Trey Mancini is not playing every day right out of the gate here. So who do you prefer between yeah. those two? Well, as, as much as I've pushed the, the Mancini, the, the talking point that Mancini is going to be uh, a, new, a new creation at Minute Maid Park, I, I, I just, you know. Pasquantino's better, I think. And then, you know, you throw on the playing time issue. Yeah, I, I would definitely take Pasquantino myself. All right. Uh, I have Mancini just ahead of Pasquantino, but it is very close. I could see in the games that Mancini plays in that lineup, in that ballpark, maybe being just better on a per-game basis, but that lack of volume definitely is going to hurt. So I think it is very close, um, but you can go with either one. Scott says to take Vinny Pasquantino. Oh my goodness gracious, for me... Framber Valdez, obviously there's not much actionable with this, but I just wanted to point out really how good he has been this season. I think a borderline ace, not in the sense that he's a top 12 starting pitcher or anything like that, but he's been really, really underappreciated, I would say. 19 straight quality starts for Framber Valdez. He was up against the Rangers here on Thursday. Seven shutout innings, four hits, one walk, eight strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes was a season high for him in this game. 10 of those come on the curve, five on the sinker, five on the cutter. And speaking of that cutter, Scott, he doesn't throw it very much, about 9, 10% of the time. But I feel like having that third pitch has really kind of taken him to the next level. Uh, If you look at the the results on that pitch this season, 116 batting average against, 34% whiff rate, and that goes along with a sinker where the velocity has been up is... Curveball has been tremendous since he's entered the league. So, you know, just having that offering you could uh, throw 8 to 10% of the time, I think really has helped Framber Valdez uh, get to this level. His ERA now down to 2.73, a little bit below a strikeout per inning, um, but gets a ton of ground ball, 67%. I mean, he is <laughs> the face of the ground ball pitcher nowadays, and he is a top 22 starting pitcher in both head-to-head points and roto before this start. So I think it's only going to go up after this one, he's really good, Scott. And I just wanted to uh, show Framber Valdez some love. Yeah, he is really good. And I mean, I I don't know that I don't know that he's taken that big of a leap from last year. I, I mean, I guess all the numbers are so close. I mean, last year he had a three fourteen ERA versus uh, it's high threes now. I mean, high twos now, right? Yeah, two point seven three. 
2.73 versus 3.14. I mean, that's not a big difference. Uh, the, whip, the whip the whip is the whip big. is a tenth of a point lower. That's this massive. Year. The K per nine's about the same, actually, a little lower this year. I I just I just think he's good, and because he's good primarily through ground balls, the whip might be a little higher than than the pitchers we rank around him. Of course, the strikeout rate's a little lower than the pitchers we rank around him, but like he's, he's, uh, he should remain an ERA standout. And of course he gets a lot of volume, a lot of volume. That's a big deal in points leagues, especially. And with that Astros defense and lineup behind him, you know, you go that deep into starts, you're going to wind up with a, a good amount of wins. And he is at, I don't know. Uh, I guess 11 wins after today. So that's that's a pretty good number for Framber Valdez. And I think the environment change this year has actually helped him because his home run to fly ball ratio went from 21% last year to 13% this year. So uh-huh. know, that in conjunction with the ground balls definitely has been awesome. A little bit better control has, has really helped that whip too for Framber Valdez. Want to mention another streak, uh, a pitcher who you've already mentioned, Scott, Vinny Pasquantino homered off of him. Dylan Cease has now allowed one earned run or fewer in 14 straight starts. Kind of cheating the system because there was a few starts in there where he he gave up some unearned runs. 14 straight starts, one earned run or less. You mentioned the ERA is below two for Dylan Cease. I think he's worked his way into the AL Cy Young conversation. It's oh, yeah. probably you just... You, got, you have an ERA below two. It's hard <laughs> not to be. Yeah, I, I would say it's very clearly the top three are, are Verlander, Shane McClanahan, and, and Dylan Cease at this point. But just yeah. another great start at the Royals. Six innings, one run, eight strikeouts. He had 19 swinging strikes. And according to Fangraph's pitch values, so they take results on a pitch, swinging strike rate, a few other different things, and, and they, they spit out a number. That's their pitch value. Dylan Cease not only has the best slider in baseball, but it grades out as the best pitch among starting pitchers which is awesome. 121 batting average against 23% swinging strike rate for Dylan Cease's slider this season. Again, not really much to add, Scott. I moved him up a little bit recently. I moved him, I think, up to like 13 or 12 in my starting pitcher rankings, and I feel like he deserves that. Yeah, I I actually made the same sort of move yesterday when I did my big weekly rankings overhaul. I moved him up to 11th, uh, which is... Just ahead of Kevin Gosman, just just behind Aaron Nola. And, you know, some people might say, oh, well, that's too low. I mean, look at the strikeout total. Look at the ERA. You know, the whip is still, uh, well, updated after this start. It's probably a little lower. Let me, let me, see, let me see what the updated whip is on Dylan Cease. It's, it's high given what his ERA is. It's 1.14. 1.14. Yeah, that's, you know, that's... You you expect lower from an ace, and like he still has major control issues. He entered the day leading the majors in walks, and so I, I do kind of feel like an, unless he makes major strides as a control pitcher, this is Dylan Cease's kind of one hundredth percentile outcome. Like things could he can't he can't get any better than this, and you know it's fine if he stays here. That you know he'll he'll be a clear-cut ace, will be a Cy Young contender, that'll be great. But it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, rest of season he pitches more like the Dylan Cease we saw last year. Still very good, but, you know, ERA. That that one had an ERA of 391, a whip of 1.25. Like, I, I, I don't think he's... The K per nine's about the same as last year. The the walks per nine's actually a little higher than last year. Uh, I, I don't know that he's definitively put that version behind him. Okay, so... If that makes sense. Let's just say, heading into next year, you have to buy Dylan Cease at his peak, and he's, I don't know, let's just say forecasting based on our rankings, he's like a third-round pick. You're probably fading Dylan Cease at that cost. Yeah, I would say so. If, if like, I don't... I, I the Look, the, the, the evaluation in fantasy has... The, it's become people have become so sharp throughout the industry that it's hard to it's I, I think it'll be hard to find someone who would rank Dylan Cease as high as that. Uh, but I will not be myself. Let's stick with yeah. the pitching and move over to the waiver wire. I got some 
I got a trio here. Edward Cabrera, now two strong starts off the IL. He was at the Phillies, five and two-thirds shutout. Three hits, two walks, six strikeouts in this one. He had 11 swinging strikes on 91 pitches. He is 63% rostered. Kyle Gibson now has a quality start in five of his last six outings. He goes six innings, three runs, two of those earned with three strikeouts against the Marlins. Frankly, I think we were expecting more against this Marlins lineup. Uh, but last six starts for Kyle Gibson, a 2.91 ERA during that time. And then Zach Plesak with his first quality start since July 4th. He was at the Tigers. Six and a third, one run, seven strikeouts, 14 swinging strikes on 100 pitches. And his five starts before this one, basically the opposite of Kyle Gibson. 7.04 ERA, not great for uh, Zach Plesak. He is 60% rostered. Scott? One of these pitchers looks a lot more enticing than the rest. Yes. Um, so remind, remind me the names again. Edward Cabrera, Kyle Gibson, Zach Plesak. Yes, obviously Edward Cabrera is the one you're referring to. You know, if and you just I, came out and said Kyle Gibson, I would have been like, wait, we are way off right now. <laughs> I am sorry that I was researching something as you were talking. <laughs> the names. Uh, yeah. So yeah, Edward Cabrera, uh, this has been very impressive for him. And of, of course, really talented pitcher, uh, the strikeout rates he's put together in the minors. You know, we had a lot of hopes for him even when, uh, when he got called up previously, he's just, he's well, last year when he got called up, it was like, where are the whiffs? Uh, as many strikeouts as he was getting in the minors, but you know, he, he's been getting them more often this year. Uh, in what we've seen from him. Really high ground ball rate for Edward Cabrera, but I think the most impressive thing is just that. How consistently he doesn't give up hits. So he had three hits allowed in this one. That makes it now in his last five starts. Uh, Let me see here. So in his last five starts, and I'm including his minor league rehab assignment, Four hits in 21 and two-thirds innings is what Edward Cabrera has allowed. And that's after... So I'm not even including when he first got called up this year and he gave up just one hit at Colorado, remember? One hit in six innings. His second start, two hits in six innings. And then he had a seven-hit start and went on the IL. But then since coming back, yeah, four hits in 21 and two-thirds innings. I mean, given his arsenal of pitches, it, it kind of makes sense that if he's not getting full swings and misses, that he would be getting this this sort of weak contact that doesn't generate hits. Again, you like the ground balls. So yeah, I think I think Edward Cabrera right now, uh, it's still possible he just beats himself with too many walks. But I think if as long as that doesn't happen, he's gonna be he's gonna be a nice find for you. Scott, I think the upside is sky high here. Like, I'm just really talking myself into Edward Cabrera right now. Look, for all the reasons you mentioned, a 56% ground ball rate, nearly a 15% swinging strike rate on the season. It's a really small sample size. I get it. But he's got this devastating changeup. He throws upper 90s with a fastball. His curve and his slider pitches he throws each around 15, 16% of the time. They both get whiffs. It's like, Mm -hmm. based on this arsenal... It, it seems like he could be really, really good. Like, I'm kind of getting Luis Castillo vibes here from Edward Cabrera. I think that's, like, a pretty fair comp. But well, maybe... I'm, I'm kind of thinking Dustin May. Yeah, but with more whiffs, right? Oh, well, Dustin May started getting a ton of whiffs before Tommy John surgery last year. That True. I, I'm making that comp because it's like, okay, it's clear this guy's stuff is amazing. But when is, is is he ever going to start missing bats with it? And and that's what we're seeing from Cabrera here in year two that we weren't seeing in year one. So that that's where that comp comes from. And of course, he's not. But the Edward, uh, the Luis Castillo comp could work too with the ground balls and the and the stuff. But yes, your your point is well taken, and and that's what I was getting at with the weak contact. That I when you read about. When I've read about Edward Cabrera over the years, uh, minor league scouting reports and and whatever else, it doesn't seem like there's a clear consensus over what his best pitch is, you know? And sometimes that means, well, he doesn't have a very good pitch. But I think in Cabrera's case, it means he has several. Yeah. 
maybe he just has four awesome pitches. <laughs> yeah, that would yeah that would be uh, obviously great for his value moving forward. I'm ready to call him a must add, Scott. Like you have to get this guy on your team. That is Edward Cabrera. I could see like if Nathan Avaldi is the worst worst pitcher on your team, I could see making that swap. Joe Ryan, the way he's pitched, I could see making that swap. Mm. Sean Manaya, like as bad as he's pitched. Okay, Sean Manaya, I'm with you. Manaya, Two good matchups this upcoming week. I was going to say Manaya does have but, really good matchups next week, though. But yeah, I'm, um, I'm not. You know, Nathan Navaldi is a tricky case because he's come back throwing two miles per hour slower, and so yeah. uh, if 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 that's going to persist the rest of the season, then it's going to be hard to use Avaldi. But I, I'm not. I'm not quite ready to throw him out yet as good as he was before the injury. And yeah, I think I'm just higher on Joe Ryan than you are. I believe he has two good matchups coming up this week too. Yeah, Kansas City and Texas. So he is close to being a must start for this two-start week, I would say. That is that is pretty good. I like those matchups as well. Uh, just in terms of the ranking, I have this group here. It's a pretty fun group of pitchers. It's right around my top 50. Tristan McKenzie, Reed Detmers, Jesus Lozardo. They're all in a row. I'm ready to move Edward Cabrera to the back end of that group. So, you know, just kind okay. of bordering on a top 50 starting pitcher for me in Cabrera. So, yeah. And, and I have Evaldi 53rd. I think Evaldi is right about the line. Uh, so, Let's see who else is in that range. So maybe like Andrew Heaney versus Edward Cabrera. I could lean Cabrera right now because Heaney's starts aren't getting, haven't so far aren't getting any longer. Yeah. Well, I have Nick Lodolo right in that range too. And after <laughs> he had another stinker on the field of dreams, who knows how many swingy strikes he got because no stack cast. <laughs> uh, then, uh, yeah, I, de- I definitely think you could dump him for Edward Cabrera at this point. Good. That was my next question. I agree wholeheartedly. Drop Nick Lodolo for Edward Cabrera. A few other waiver wire pitchers here. Zach Greinke with his first quality start since June 29th. He went six and a third shutout, allowed nine hits, zero walks, five strikeouts. Did have 12 swinging strikes, uh, but he also allowed 12 hard hit balls in this game. He is 40% rostered, and he's got two starts next week at the Twins and at Tampa Bay, so... Kind of a mixed bag in terms of matchups. Herman Marquez, I know we don't want to trust pitcher Rockies pitchers. I get it. But he now has a quality start in five of his last six outings. He goes six innings, two runs, six strikeouts against the Cardinals in Coors Field. So it's pretty impressive. And his velocity, this is now two starts in a row. Fastball velocity way up, 1.8 miles per hour uh, compared to his season's average in this start. His slider was up three miles per hour in this start. So... Herman Marquez is reaching back, and he is he's throwing harder. And his last six starts, he has a 3.15 ERA. He's only 36% rostered. And then Drew Smiley, now two strong starts in a row. Of course, at the Field of Dreams, five shutout with nine strikeouts. That was a season high. Uh, over his last five starts, he's got a 2.42 ERA. Scott, I don't think any of these players are must-ads, but I will admit that Herman Marquez and Drew Smiley are kind of interesting to me. Sure. I mean, Armand Marquez has been a fantasy asset in the past. Drew Smiley has a great swinging strike rate, if nothing else. I just think there's too much downside for both. Like, I think I'm at a point, because I've I've dipped my toe in the, the Herman Marquez pond before and didn't like the feel of it. <laughs> just too, too, you never know when to start him, you never know when to sit him. Like at one point in his career, it looked pretty clear. Oh, I set him at home, start him on the road. But that's that's become less so the past couple of years. So I, I think I'm at a point, unless he ever gets out of Colorado, I just, I don't want any part of Herman Marquez. Like I'm, I'm going to have to rank him. You know, if he continues down this path, uh, I'm going to have to rank him in a spot where he would get drafted next year. But it, it's not going to be me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to come up off waivers barring an, an emergency, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know that I want to do this with Drew Smiley again either, especially since I don't know how many swinging strikes he had. (laughs) I will point out with Drew Smiley, he's at the Nationals next week. So if you are in a deeper league and you're just looking for a streamer, I do think Drew Smiley is fine. Uh, I would prefer his teammate, Justin Steele, actually, though. I agree. and, And he might actually be more available than Smiley. You double check that. No, Smiley is only 9%. I think Steele okay, is no. like 30. 30, like yeah. That. Yeah. Okay. Um, but still, we, Steele's better. 
Chris and I spoke about Steele yesterday, and he's got uh, fairly good matchups next week at the Nationals and against the Brewers. The Brewers do struggle against lefties. That This is Justin Steele that we're talking about. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, high spin fastball. He's getting a lot of strikeouts. Uh, I do like Justin Steele quite a bit myself. Let's move over to some waiver wire hitters, Scott. And I asked Chris about him yesterday. I want to ask you, have you changed your tune on Stephen Kwan? So he went one for three with two walks and his third home run here on Thursday. I get mm-hmm. it in a categories league. He's kind of empty batting average. He's running a little bit more. He scores runs. So maybe he's like a, I don't know, two and a half category player, something like that. He's 74% rostered. I think in points leagues, we should be more excited about Steven Kwan because over the last 28 days, this is also just a testament to how bad outfield is. Steven Kwan <laughs> is the third highest scoring outfielder in points leagues during that time. That's interesting. Behind uh, only Aaron Judge and Mookie Betts. <laughs> 28 days, you said? Yeah. So what I wrote down for Stephen Kwan here is past 31 games, he's hit 354. Two home runs, five stolen bases during that stretch. I don't think he can sustain a 354 batting average. I was going to look up what is just year-long rank uh, as an outfielder in head-to-head points leagues is. I mean, I mean clearly he's going to be something of a format specialist because he never strikes out. He walks at a pretty good clip, but he, they're, you know, just the, the home runs are going to be so low that uh, it's hard to invest a roster spot in him in a categories league. I have it for you, Scott outfielder okay. 30 in points leagues this season. Right. So you take the good with the bad and he comes out being, you know, if it's if it's a ten team three outfielder league, pretty shallow. He still comes out as a viable starter in that. Yep. And I think that's I think that's fine. I would I would uh, trust that. Oh, he's the thirtieth best outfielder in points leagues over the stat you gave for the last twenty eight days. Like he do, he doesn't oh. have that kind of upside, even if he's been of really course. High. But I do have I do have Stephen Kwan as a sleeper hitter for this upcoming week, I like the Guardians matchups, four games against the Tigers. Uh, that's really the best part of their schedule. They, they then face the White Sox and a couple of tough pitchers. But only one right-hander, or one left-hander on the schedule, which benefits Quan as well. So I have, I have Quan as hot as he is as a sleeper hitter for next week. All right, let's move over to Jorge Mateo, who just keeps hitting and just keeps running. He went one for four with his 27 steals, second in Major League Baseball. He's 62% rostered. He's got seven games next week. Obviously, that's a popular theme. Scott, he is the most added outfielder on CBS right now. Jorge Mateo is. Would you rather have him compared to you know, two others that rank very highly on that list, Alec Thomas and Randall Grichuk? Oh, yeah, I think I would. Well, I definitely would in categories leagues where he can impact the stolen base category, but even in points leagues where I don't think Mateo's as valuable, you know, Grichik's Grichik uh, loses a lot of his luster in points leagues as well, and uh, I just I just don't think Alec Thomas has done enough to warrant a starting spot, even in my fifteen uh, team five outfielder league. I've been. I've, I've finally gotten to a point where I could sit him uh, by some outfielders coming off the IL for me, which I'm, I'm happy about because it just the production hasn't been there really in anything for for, Steve, for Alec Thomas. Like I'm not saying he doesn't have a future in the majors. Obviously, it's his rookie season, but I don't even even in the underlying data, I don't see enough to uh, to feel like I need to hold on to him. All right, let's see. You need an outfielder in five outfielder categories league. Would you rather have Oscar Gonzalez, who went two for five with a double and an RBI? He's got seven home games next week, as we mentioned. Or Leody Tavares, who has been slumping recently, but now back-to-back multi-hit games. I believe he had a double and a triple on Wednesday night, and then he picked up two singles here on Mm -hmm. Thursday. Uh, Who do you prefer between those two? Oscar G, Leody Tavares. For next week, just rest of season in general. Both. Uh, <laughs> well, I, I do have. So, I, I definitely prefer. I shouldn't say definitely, but Oscar Gonzalez made the cut for my ten sleeper hitters for next week, and Leody Tavares did it. I considered Tavares. The, the Rangers have good matchups, as do the Guardians. 
but I just have a little more trust in Gonzalez right now. If you're talking rest of season, it kind of depends what you need. Uh, Gonzalez isn't going to give you any speed. Leone Tavares, that's the main thing he's going to give you. Who's going to hit for the higher hit for the higher batting average? I would put my money on Gonzalez. Agreed. But there there may be like Leone Tavares' season mark is good and uh he's hitting the ball harder than we've previously seen in the majors. He's striking out less. It may he may be able to keep it going. I just I'm more skeptical of it in in Tavares' case. Last one I want to ask you about is Jose Iglesias, who I asked Chris about yesterday, and he was skeptical, but I know you wanted to talk about him the other night as well. Three straight multi-hit games. He's now batting 320 overall, and I think over the last 30 games, that's he's like close to 400 batting average, Jose Iglesias. He's 31% yeah. rostered, six games next week, including three at home in Coors Field. Is he behind both Vaughn Grissom and Paul DeYoung for you? And yeah. can we just get your thoughts on Vaughn Grissom? Because obviously you weren't here yesterday. Yes. I mean, I'm always going to shoot for upside. We are getting to a stage of the season where it's less important, where you just need to you just need to get what you can get and not get upset. And uh I mean Iglesias has has been hitting for average. And and not, it isn't necessarily a Coors Field thing because I, I believe his road stats are even better. Yeah, much better. Uh, it's weird. It's kind of boring production, but you know, he's usable. He's he's proven himself usable for the first time in a long time. That's Jose Iglesias. But yes, DeYoung and certainly Vaughn Grissom have more upside. It's it's interesting in, in terms of how likely they are to keep their job. It probably goes Iglesias, DeYoung, Grissom. But in terms of how much upside they have, definitely goes Grissom, DeYoung, Iglesias. Just the just the other way around. So and in Grissom's case, like it'll take a lot for him to keep his job because Ozzy Albies is maybe two weeks from returning. And that's the spot in the lineup Grissom is filling right now. Could they theoretically move him to the outfield if he's going well? We haven't seen him play it in the minors. I mean, I, he's, he's a natural shortstop, and I kind of feel like natural shortstops could play anywhere. But would they, would they just throw a rookie out there with no minor league experience? I'm, I'm kind of skeptical of that. So... Uh, could they stick him at third and move Austin Riley to the outfield where he's played before? I guess, but I don't know if they want to. I don't know if they want to mess with Austin Riley now that he's established himself as as an MVP candidate. So I don't know how this is going to play out for Grissom, but I I'm high on the skills. Yeah, I am. He's one of those prospects who you look at what he's been doing in the minors the past couple of years you you read the scouting reports you know about how athletic he is about how okay maybe the home run numbers aren't quite where you want them to be but there's a lot of untapped power there he's he's he produces high end exit velocities uh just kind of needs to work on the launch angle kind of needs to work well I, I mean if you see him he's 6 foot 3 like he's He's got a good frame for power and maybe just needs to fill out a little more. Only 21 years old. Yeah. Uh, so he looks like... And, and then, you know, on top of it, the most impressive skill for Vaughn Grissom is just that he doesn't strike out much at all. Yeah, very impressive for a guy that young and that athletic. And um, I, I think I think the upside is very high, but... He was not, he, he hasn't been ranked. Like you look at, I, I'm not sure he made a high profile top 100 list coming into the season in spite of that. So you, you look at the numbers, you look at the scouting reports and you're like, why, why is the, the like scouting community not getting behind this guy more? It's like, they all like him. You read the scouting. Oh, it's clear they're high on him, but why do they not rank him higher? And, and that was, something I had a hard time understanding. I think, you know, he, I, I think the one knock on him that you consistently saw is, oh, he probably won't be able to stay at shortstop long-term. And I feel like sometimes prospect get, prospects get dinged too much for that. And I think sometimes it's just an excuse because, you know, 100 is kind of an arbitrary number. You got to leave some guys out. So you're just looking for an excuse to leave some guys out. And sometimes it's because we don't think he can continue to play the position he's currently at. 
but who cares? He'll be able to play a bunch of different positions if if he can't stay a shortstop. So, and of course, I think there's a chance that he just replaces Dansby Swanson as the Braves shortstop next year, because uh, Swanson is an impending free agent and has the same representation Freddie Freeman did. So I don't even know how those <laughs> two parties negotiate with each other at this point. Aukies. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I Grissom. I kind of gave you the long-term outlook for him <laughs> this year after that debut he had with a sock in his shoe. Yes. Cleared the green monster entirely. I, and the uh, confidence, Scott. I mean, the bat flip was everything. That was amazing. Yeah, it was. <laughs> and we talk about all the time about how bad third base is, how bad outfield is. Like, second base is kind of the pits as well. Like, I was re-ranking it yesterday. Uh, Not great. It's basically Trey Turner, who's eligible at shortstop two. It's Jose Altuve. It's Marcus Simeon, who's eligible at shortstop two. It's DJ LeMahieu, who's eligible at third base two. Yeah. And then there's not much to get excited about beyond that. And so, like, Grissom's going to... He's a few games away from gaining second base eligibility, but he'll pick it up before Albies returns, and if he performs so well that the Braves find a way to keep him in the lineup, I could see him emerging as a must-start player the same way Michael Harris has, even making that same dramatic jump from double-A after just a few games there. So I'm not saying you have to pick up Grissom in every league, but I'm saying leagues where stolen bases are important, leagues where you have a need in the middle infield, you, you probably should for the upside and just see where it goes. Like I've, I've talked up Michael Massey a lot. I think I'd take Grissom over Michael Massey if the choice came down to that. Last point I want to make on Grissom. And I think it's a really good one that you mentioned. I was listening to the Welsh's podcast recently prospect one. If anybody wants to hear more about prospects or just dynasty related content, I highly recommend listening to it. And he said the same thing about Noel V. Marte that Noel V. Marte who was part of the Luis Castillo trade. He plays shortstop. He's now with the Cincinnati Reds. He said that he's kind of been unfairly dinged in the prospect community recently because they don't think that he's going to stay at shortstop. So it's just funny that you bring that up about Vaughn Grissom. And I think that yeah. kind of factors into overall prospect analysis. But mm-hmm. from like a fantasy oh, sure. perspective, sure. Like, who cares? Vaughn Grissom, I think he has a great profile and he's going to be very, very fun for fantasy, which is really well, all that matters for us. But... No, I, why it matters, why I bring it up beyond just it's it's an interesting uh, development I've noticed with prospect rankings is that prospect rankings fuel so much. I mean, at the trade deadline, uh, it's funny to see the way these beat writers react to to what kind of prospects were moved in a deal. Oh, it was this team's first, third, and fifth prospect. And it's like, you're looking at preseason rankings, dude. There's been a lot of <laughs> ranking updates since then. First of all, that that's, but you know, so just by virtue of Grissom not showing up on the preseason top 100 list, it, it's kind of like, ah, is this guy that much of a prospect? And yes, I, I say that he is. And uh, I do think he's gained some value since the season started, but he's still didn't show up as high on those midseason lists as I feel like he should have. All right. Before we hit the break, Fantasy Baseball Today is here to help you dominate your league all season long. But now you can represent your favorite podcast with official Fantasy Baseball Today gear only found on the CBS Sports Store. Discover t-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, laser engraved pint glasses, hats, like the one I'm wearing right now, water bottles, and more to remind your buddies how you got the inside scoop to crush the competition. Right now, Fantasy Baseball Today listeners will get 20% off orders when they use this podcast's exclusive code, Fantasy Baseball 20 during checkout. That's Fantasy Baseball 20 and it's only available for our listeners. I am not going to read the link because it's really long, but you can find it in the podcast and the YouTube description. We just told you all about Vaughn Grissom. If you want to hear more about prospects, you can listen to our Saturday episode of Fantasy Baseball Today in 5. It's our five-minute podcast. Download and follow wherever you listen to this podcast. Let's take a break, and we'll be back right after this. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. 
Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The news and notes. This one really came out of nowhere. Max Freed was placed on the seven-day concussion IL, retroactive to August 8th. Apparently, he banged his head against the ground while attempting to make a throw last Saturday night. Uh, so we'll kind of play it by ear and... Anything we hear about Max Fried, we'll let you know. Kyle Schwarber exited Thursday's game due to a mid, a mild right calf strain. He's considered day-to-day for now. With Julio Rodriguez being activated, Jared Kelnick, no surprise, was optioned back to the minors. And in nine games, Jared Kelnick was two for 24, one of those hits being a home run off of Garrett Cole, with a 37.5% strikeout rate. Now, Scott, we talk about this a lot with prospects, that they're... Progression, it is not linear most of the time. You could go up, you could go down, you could stay down for a long time, you can get better in the future. It's really hard to predict. But when it comes to Jared Kelnick, formerly one of the top prospects in the game, uh, what's your dynasty outlook? Would you be trying to buy low if anyone was sour on him right now? Yes, I would. But it'd have to be pretty low (laughs) at this point. Uh, I'm not sure at what point with him and Joe Adele, we're supposed to say, okay, you just strike out too much to be, to be anything close to what we thought you were going to be. And I, I really feel uncomfortable making that assessment because I, I feel like we, we, are, we are entering a period where it takes prospects longer to develop. Like they, um, I don't know. It's an easy, easy off the head, exa- off the top of the head example, but Kyle Wright, you know, he needs until age. How old is he? Twenty six. Sounds uh, right. Big prospect, former fifth overall pick. He, we see him come up a couple times, and he just looks terrible. Mm-hmm. And then you know, this year he emerges as a you know a number two st- type starter in the majors, and uh, like I, I, this is. That that used to be the norm for prospects. You know, you you couldn't really judge them in their rookie season. It was rare the prospect who came up and performed right away. But that changed for almost a decade long period where we could make a pretty we could we could make almost a snap judgment on these guys and be right. And I don't think we're there anymore. So that that makes evaluating these guys for dynasty very tricky. And uh, I know I'm long-winded with all my answers here. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all good. You, you look you look impatient, so I'll stop talking. Yeah, I'm no, not no, sure. It's, you know, we've there's some stuff that we're not going to get to, but it's fine. Like as long <laughs> as we get to like the two-star pitchers and previewing next week, that's really all that matters. But uh, I think this stuff is interesting right now. I mean, especially as the season winds down, we'll talk more about like prospects and dynasty and other things to you know be inclusive and keep those who are kind of out of their league. Um, you know, they're out of the running for their league. Keep them interested in the content. So I think it makes sense. Jack Flaherty made his first rehab start at AAA on Thursday. He allowed four runs over one plus inning of work. And uh, it's not what you want to see, obviously. It turns out that Max Muncy left Wednesday night's game with a right hand contusion. X-rays came back negative. Kind of stinks because he was finally heating up. Jonathan India left Thursday's Field of Dreams game after being hit by a pitch on his foot. Imaging showed no fracture. He's day-to-day. It's been kind of a rough stretch of luck for Jonathan India. I kind of feel bad for the guy. Eduardo Rodriguez was sharp in his latest AAA rehab outing, striking out six across five scoreless innings of work. And he's 27% rostered. Scott, are you looking to stash Eduardo Rodriguez anywhere? It's not a high priority, but... You know, he's, he's a guy most people liked coming into the season. I think I was a little cooler on him the most. And, and of course, he struggled. But we've seen him have plenty of success in the past. If you have a free IL spot, throw him in there. Why not? I've seen him floating around in some deeper leagues, like 15-team roto. So 
Obviously, if he's available there, I would say for sure, go out and add him. Garrett Cooper left Thursday's game due to calf tightness, and Elias Diaz is likely headed to the IL with ligament damage in his hand. So expect Brian Servan and Dom Nunez to handle catching duties in his absence. The Week 20 preview. Finally, we have made it. The schedule for next week. We have nine teams with six games, 20 teams with seven games, and one lucky team has eight games next week, the New York Mets. Here are your fringy two-start pitchers. Scott, what do you think? Starter sit, Joe Ryan. He's been up or down, up and down. He has really good matchups next week, Royals and Rangers. Yeah, as I said before with those matchups, he's pretty close to must-start. I I resisted putting him in the must-start tier of the two-start pitcher rankings, but he's at the very top of the next tier. Charlie Morton. Now, there's probably something I missed, Scott, because ESPN still has him starting on Sunday. So is he now... How does he wind up being a two-star pitcher for next week? You know, it, it may have changed with Max Freed going on the IL. I put this list together before that news came out. Uh, sure. Let me double-check what another source has, but you're, he may not be a two-star pitcher anymore. Okay, so... They, it looks like they have Jake Odorizzi going on Friday now. Ian Anderson on Saturday, though, they do have... That, that's a doubleheader. They have a doubleheader. They have Ian Anderson and Spencer Strider. And then okay. it looks like Morton for Sunday against the yep. Marlins. That is what uh, Roster Resource has as well. So, yeah, I, I may need to move Charlie Morton from this list, and that would probably make... Uh, let's see, Kyle Wright's already a two-star pitcher... Uh, they, they're going to have to bring up another guy. Maybe, I don't know. We don't really know how they're going to fill Freed's spot if Anderson stays in the rotation or what. Mm-hmm. All right, well, look, if Charlie Morton starts Sunday against the Marlins, I will take that because he was slated to face the Mets and the Astros next week, which sure. obviously not as enticing. Freddie Peralta, not really going very deep into his starts. He's got the Dodgers next week and at the Cubs. What do you think? Yeah, I'd start him. I, I, wish, I wish he wasn't facing the Dodgers for one of those two starts, but... I'd start him. Jose Urquidy has mostly pitched very well over the past couple of months. He's at the White Sox and at the Braves next week. Yeah, we got these bipolar matchups again. Very annoying. But Urquidy's been bankable enough that I'd lean yes on him too. Taiwan Walker at the Braves at the Phillies. Uh, that is one. I, wouldn't it be so automatic for me? I have him in the points league only section. It kind of depends what you need in a categories league if you use them there if you need the wins or strikeouts more maybe yes but those are tough matchups obviously and another thing worth noting here uh as opposed to last week when we had i believe 25 26 two-start pitchers we've got 44 45 this week so like there's a ton of two-start options uh so keep that in mind noah Syndergaard is at the reds and he has a revenge game against the mets Probably just points leagues for him, too, but kind of depends what you need in categories. Last, but certainly not least, Sean Manaya at the Marlins and at home against the Nationals. Yeah, it's really tempting with those two matchups. I think it's it's a must in points leagues where you can afford a a hit. Like if, if a pitcher has gives up a lot of base runners, a lot of earned runs, it doesn't hurt as much as in a categories league, uh, and you're still going to get the volume either way. But it would be scary to do in a categories league for sure. I have him on, I think, two 15-team Roto Leagues, and I plan to start him in both. But if you play in 12s or anything shallower, you probably don't want to mess around with Sean Mania. Two-star pitchers to add and stream for next week. I see quite a few names here, Scotty. Who do you like? Yes. So my favorite is Jose Quintana. Only 61% rostered, back-to-back six-inning starts with the Cardinals. Of course, he's going to get more support with them than he got with the Pirates earlier this season. And he's been, because he's been stuck on the Pirates, he's been kind of a low-key beneficiary of this new environment that we've seen others with his sort of profile benefit from. You know, we, we're, we're seeing a return of, of valuable pitchers who don't necessarily strike out a batter per inning. And Quintana fits the bill there. His matchup's at home against Colorado and on the road against Diamondbacks. So really good. All right. Uh, anyone else you want to mention from this group? Oh, yeah, I do. <laughs> so Marcus Stroman, one of his two starts is against Washington. That's obviously favorable. I think he's 
one of the more out, undervalued pitchers right now. Uh, Josiah Gray, you know, he's kind of got a good bat matchup and a bad matchup. The good one against the Cubs, the bad against the Padres. Uh, we saw him bounce back nicely in his last start after having a lot of trouble with home runs previously. Still kind of risky, but a lot of strikeout potential there for Josiah Gray. Jeffrey Springs, again with the bipolar matchups, Yankees and Royals. Uh, he's not going deep into games, but he's still pitching well. Justin Steele, who we talked about earlier, Washington and Milwaukee are his matchups. He's got, been getting a lot of strikeouts lately, a lot of base runners too. But certainly in points leagues where you can use him in an RP slot, I think Justin Steele's worth a look. Johnny Cueto gets the Astros and Guardians, uh, but he's been reliable for reasons I can't understand. Nick Pavetta gets the Pirates and Orioles. He hasn't been reliable, but those are two really good matchups. James Caprillion, Rangers and Mariners. Don't trust the profile, but he's been good more often than not recently, and those matchups are pretty good. Alex Cobb, Diamondbacks, but then he's at Colorado. So I'll still call him a sleeper, but definitely on the riskier side. And then Mitch Keller gets the Red Sox and Reds. Not eager to use him, but if you're if you're dying to have more volume, that's that's not bad. Mm. Sounds like he almost fits the bill for fortune favors the brave no I, I don't think i think you need to be braver than that all right well i do see one other name here highlighted lower down the list jp sears at the rangers and against the mariners maybe yeah. a deep league play yeah i debated whether to put him in that third tier which is points league only or final tier which is no thanks i just don't think he's proven enough for most people to to bother with JP Sears and all the starts he's made have been short, but yeah, those matchups are solid and the numbers have been solid, even though the outings have been abbreviated. All right. Well, now that brings us to fortune favors the brave. And mm -hmm. I cannot believe that I sat here a week ago and told everybody, don't start. You say Kikuchi. And then what did I do? I picked him up in a very deep league, one that's very important to me, and I started Yusei Kikuchi. And guess what? Now he doesn't even have a second start this weekend. Instead, He, he may. He may. <sighs> so it's not clear yet if, okay. if the Blue Jays are going to skip Mitch White this time through or not. If they do, then Kikuchi will still get a second start this week. If they don't, then he's a two-star pitcher next week. Well, my advice would be to just skip Yusei Kikuchi forever. But... <laughs> With that being said, there is nothing braver than starting Yusei Kikuchi. So if he doesn't start this weekend... You don't, you don't even know how many starts he's going to make. Yeah, yeah just, uh, you know what? Just just don't. Just exactly what the segment is meant to do. Just don't start Yusei Kikuchi. But I think Zach Greinke's <laughs> kind of in that conversation as well. So, Scott, do you have... So those are your fortune favors the Brave picks? Is that what you're saying? Sure, yes. I'll go Aaron Savale who looked pretty good in his return from the IL and gets the Tigers and White Sox this upcoming week. Couldn't see me doing it myself, but I could <laughs> see it potentially going pretty well. All right, let's uh, wrap up the pitching conversation here, Scott, with uh, some single-star streamers. I only see yep. two. Yeah, with all the two-star pitchers, not, room, <laughs> not much room for these guys, and they're both more than 70% rostered. Reed Detmers at the Tigers. I mean, I'm, I'm pretty much to the point where I'm starting Reed Dedmers no matter who he faces, but definitely against the Tigers. And George Kirby at the Angels. I don't know if you and Chris talked about this yesterday. I just noticed it today. Chris Flexen was removed from the rotation. Yeah, we mentioned it. Yeah, so George Kirby's staying in, and he faces the Angels, who have been terrible. Yeah, what was not expecting that. <laughs> Chris Flexen moved to the bullpen, but yeah, definitely helps George Kirby. Uh, Kirby. On the hitter side of things, the best hitter matchups, we have the Giants, Red Sox, Rangers, the A's, and the Orioles, and then the worst hitter matchups, Dodgers, White Sox, Astros, Marlins, and Braves. With that being said, Scott, sleeper hitters for next week. It gives you another opportunity to talk about Vinny P. <laughs> it does. First, I do want to mention the Mets are the one and only team with eight games, but Really tough pitchers in those eight games, so that's why they're not listed among the teams with the best matchups. Yeah, I have Vinny Pasquantino at the top of my sleepers hitters list. The matchups are nothing special, but I don't care. He's great. He's showing it. He's the hitter I want to start above all others rostered in less than 80% of CBS Sports Leagues. 
All right. I also have Tommy Pham, who's been on a home run binge batting leadoff for the Red Sox. As you mentioned, Frank, they have the second best matchups at Pittsburgh for three, at Baltimore for three. I also have a couple Cardinals on this list, a couple of highly available Cardinals. Paul DeYoung, who's been on his own home run binge, and Lars Newtbar, who I could have made the oh my goodness gracious player today. He has really picked it up at the plate, and even though he's a left-handed hitter, he's been playing every day. He even batted in the leadoff spot for the Cardinals here on Thursday, hit a double and walked twice. Dylan Carlson was out of the lineup, so I don't think it's going to be a consistent thing, Newt Barr batting leadoff. But over his past 22 games, 344 batting average, three homers, four doubles, two triples, stolen base, same number of walks as strikeouts. And I should say that was 22 games entering Thursday when he had a couple more walks and another double. So, yeah, he's been on fire. Uh, Cardinals aren't among the teams with the best five matchups, but they do have good matchups. Colorado for three, Arizona for three. Okay. Moving on. Uh, The Rangers, who you mentioned, have the third best matchups. Got to like Nate Lowe this week. The Orioles, we talked about Jorge Mateo. They have the fifth best matchups this week. You got to keep him in, especially if you need stolen bases. And I have for the Guardians, both Oscar Gonzalez and Steven Kwan here as sleeper hitters for this upcoming week. I also don't mind Seth Brown. Five of the seven pitchers on tap for the Athletics are righties. And the matchups are favorable. So yeah, Seth Brown, if you're looking for power, he rounds out the list here of sleeper hitters for next week. All right. We've got about five minutes left, so let's just kind of do some rapid fire the rest of Thursday's action. We'll get you some streamers for the weekend. Did you know, Scott, hitter edition? Just some fun facts. Jose Ramirez went 0 for 5, and over his last 41 games, he is batting 244 with five home runs and just an 8% home run to fly ball ratio. Javier Baez went 2 for 5 and hit his 11th home run of the season. He has not enjoyed playing in Detroit. In home games this year, he is batting 183 with a 498 OPS. Marcus Semien went one for three with two walks and his 17th home run since the start of June. That is 63 games. He is batting 269 with 16 homers, 13 steals, and Marcus Semien is now the second highest scoring second baseman in, in head-to-head points and the third best in Roto. He's been really good, and he's made me look very dumb for choosing him as a bus pick. Brendan Rodgers went one for four with his 11th home run, and over his last 43 games, he is hitting 347 with five homers, 24 runs, 25 RBI, just a 13% strikeout rate, and a 90.8 mile per hour average exit velocity. Not much power, but the batting average and counting stats have been very good for Brendan Rodgers. Scott, anything you'd like to add for... Ramirez, Baez, Semyon, and Rogers. Yeah, so I was fearful of how, uh, how how Javier Baez would perform in the venue that uh, neutralized Nick Castellanos, it turns out. And, look, I didn't expect it to go this poorly. It, it's kind of funny. Like, Javier Baez is like a perennial bust pick for me, and it, it finally happened. And I, I don't know whether I can uh, claim credit for it because I just, you know, you, you put him on the list every year, eventually it's going to happen, right? Uh, Brendan Rogers, so one of the Rockies beat writers, Danielle Allen Tuck, I thought made a good point. She said, she pointed out that he hit 078 in April. Did Brendan Rogers just a, as bad a start as you'll ever see? And he might end up finishing the year batting 300. I think his batting average is close to 290 now. And he has hit over 300 with about an 850 OPS since April. I I would like to see more power from Brendan Rodgers still, especially since he's not a big walk guy. But he's certainly shown that he's uh, a, a decent enough middle infielder in fantasy. And uh, yeah, it's been kind of a... Frustrating run here for Jose Ramirez. I hope he, I hope he turns it around soon because at last look, he was shaping up to be my number one player for next year, like overall. So we'll see if we'll see if that ends up coming true or not. Mm-hmm. All right, please get back on track. We need you, Jose Ramirez. 
mm, do we want to do grade the season? Nah, I think we'll pass. But I will just <laughs> mention that Alex, uh, Alex Bregman hit his 14th home run. He's been much better in August. Andrew Vaughn hit his 12th home run. And just quietly having a very good season amongst, look, the White Sox are kind of a mess right now. So a shining light, both Dylan Cease and Andrew Vaughn for that team. Uh, Kid yeah. Brian Hayes stole his 13th base, which is interesting just for the third base position. But outside of that, he's not been great this season. I'll grade these seasons real quick. Alex yeah. Bregman gets a D. Ooh. Andrew Vaughn gets a B. And Cabrian Hayes gets an F. Ooh. All right. I'm happy that you were hard on Alex Bregman. So maybe... Well, I, I just... Uh, earlier this week, I released a Dynasty stock watch. It's only the second one I've done all year. been busy doing other things, I guess. Among the five players who have lost the most value in Dynasty Leagues, I had Alex Bregman on there. I think I think his time as a stud is over. Yeah. He's still he's still plenty useful. But the power I, I think we can safely say the power just doesn't play the same for him with this new ball. Yeah. Probably more of like a middling batting average twenty home run hitter. But I mean I'd like to see him sell lower the launch angle, sell out for power less, because with as much contact as he makes, maybe he could become a, a plus source of batting average. But yeah. I don't I don't know that that'll happen. I think he'll still be valuable for points leagues regardless. Oh, yeah. I mean, the walk yeah. rate's so good. Yeah, He's... more more walks and strikeouts again this year for Alex Bregman. But in category yeah. leagues, he really does not do much. The call to the bullpen. Uh, for the Marlins, Tanner Scott allowed three base runners but did pick up his 16th save. For the Guardians, with Emmanuel Class A unavailable, Taylor Stefan started the ninth with a two-run lead. He ran into some trouble. He was relieved by Eniel De Los Santos. They tag-teamed the blown save for this one. And then Brian Shaw picked up his first save in extra innings. How did he do that? Well, the Tigers, Gregory Soto, he pitched in the top of the 10th, and he allowed the zombie runner to score. He took his seventh loss of the season. For the Royals, Scott Barlow gave up a solo homer, but picked up his 18th save. For the Rockies, Daniel Bard gave up a run, but picked up his 24th save. And then two that are widely available. You might need to make this decision. For the Red Sox, John Schreiber pitched the final two innings for his fourth save. His numbers are really good this year. 1.80 ERA, over a strikeout per inning, great control, 56% ground ball rate, 13.6% swinging strike rate. That is John Schreiber, and of course, Tanner Houck is on the IL. And then Rowan Wick closes out the Field of Dreams game. Seventh save for him, 23% rostered. Scott, who are you taking, Wick or Schreiber? I guess I'm going to take Wick, even though I've been a little skeptical of him moving into this role. I would feel better about Schreiber if it was only a one-inning save instead of two, ironically. Like, if they're going to let him have two-inning saves, then he's not going to be available as often for saves, and I'm going to guess Garrett Whitlock interferes with uh, with those chances. And uh, so, yeah, I'll take... I'll, 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 uh, you, you know, the one that frustrated me, you don't have it in here... Hunter Strickland was taken out of the closer role. Correct. And so I, I wrote in, in waiver wire yesterday, okay, Alexis Diaz, this is the time. Well, Alexis Diaz worked the eighth, <laughs> Strickland the ninth on Thursday. It was with a two-run deficit, so you know that that doesn't necessarily reveal that Strickland's still the closer. But normally, if if you're if you're expecting out if you're if you're planning for Alex Diaz to be, you wouldn't let him work the eighth of the two-run deficit. Normally, yeah, find someone who loves you the way David Bell loves Hunter Strickland. Apparently, because why why can't we just go with Alexis Diaz and see what he could do to stream or not to stream? Let's start with Friday. Jake Odorizzi at the Marlins, Austin Voth at the Rays, George Kirby at the Rangers, and Ranger Suarez at the Mets. I will pick George Kirby easily. And my second choice would be Jake Odorizzi just because he's going against the Marlins, but it's a distant second. Agreed. Saturday, we've got Mitch White versus the Guardians, maybe. Spencer Watkins at the Rays. Adrian Sampson at the Reds. Graham Ashcraft versus the Cubs. Matt Manning at the White Sox. Marco Gonzalez at the Rangers. And Dane Dunning versus the Mariners. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick Graham Ashcraft here. Sorry. Sorry, yeah. not sorry. You don't have to apologize to me. Just yeah. apologize to the people that start him. On <laughs> Sunday, we have Braxton Garrett versus the Braves. Jordan Lyles at the Rays. Drew Rasmussen versus the Orioles. 
Keegan Thompson at the Reds, Aaron Ashby at the Cardinals, and Chris Archer at the Angels. Uh, I don't really like any of these, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um, I like when we get Bra- to this part of the podcast where Scott's just annoyed. <laughs> Braxton Garrett is probably the guy I'd choose here, as dangerous as it is going against the Braves. I'll yeah, just, uh, don't do it. <laughs> I'll just shoot for the stars with him, I guess. And, uh, I mean, my second choice would probably be Aaron Ashby. <laughs> just... Again, hoping for a best-case scenario, but obviously the the more likely scenario is that he hurts you, so I would I would prefer not to start him. Yeah, um, let's see. I know the Orioles are winning games, but are they hitting the ball? That's the question. They are eighth in Woba over the last 14 days. All right, well, we're not going to start Drew Rasmussen. Uh, I don't know. Keegan Thompson's fine. I don't really like any of these on Sunday, so stay away. We're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.